Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Is Your Brain On Podcasts. Before we jump into this week's episode, I would like to take a few moments here just to tell you ways in which you can support the podcast. The most obvious and direct way in which you can support the podcast is by visiting our Patreon page. That is located at patreon.com slash fsproductions. I will have the link for our Patreon page in the episode notes so that it's easy if you would like to check it out. If you do donate to our Patreon page, you gain access to a bunch of cool content that gets posted almost exclusively to Patreon. You'll gain early access to certain podcasts, and those are unedited, and you don't have to listen to any ads beforehand either. And there's also cool bonus audio series, as well as a bunch of other fun things that get posted exclusively to our Patreon page. You can donate as little as $1 per month, and if you do donate that minimum amount, that does give you access to early access to all the podcasts, unedited and ad-free. And you can donate as much as you want. You can donate $654.50 if you so desire. That's what the cool thing about Patreon. The more you donate, obviously, the more access to cool rewards you will get. So check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash fsproductions. Another way in which you can support the show is by checking out our Big Think bonus series. The Big Think bonus series is exactly what it sounds like. It's a bonus series where I take specific ethics problems from the Big Think book, which was written by Peter Cave. So we take specific ethics problems from that book and we discuss them in depth. For example, me and my friend Brendan discussed the classic trolley problem on one of the episodes. Um, And that is if a train is coming down the tracks and it is going to hit four people who are tied to the tracks... Um, You have the opportunity to divert the train, but there is one person tied to the pair of tracks that you would have to divert it to. So what do you do? Do you do nothing and kill four people, or do you intervene and divert the train, killing one person? So that's just an example of some of the things we'll talk about in the bonus series. To gain access to the bonus series, you can gain access through Patreon. If Patreon isn't your thing, then you can find these bonus episodes in our store. And that is located at fsproductions.ca. Check out the store. All the bonus episodes will be there. They're only a dollar each. There's also lots of ways in which you can support the show that won't cost you anything. You can leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast again on whichever player is your player of choice for podcast listening. You can share the podcast on social media. You can talk about it with your friends, recommend it to people, but realistically you're already doing the biggest 
thing that you could to support this show, and that is simply by listening to it. So thank you very much for listening. It means a lot to me. And if you do choose to support the show in any other way, I highly appreciate it. The email list. I'm just going to take a couple of moments here to quickly go over the email list. If you are fans of the show, I highly recommend that you sign up for our email list. You can find it at fsproductions.ca. It's the first thing that you're going to see when you visit the website. Just go to that bar, type in your email, hit subscribe, and you are signed up for the email list. When you do sign up for the email list, you get things like free music, discount codes. I keep you up to date with everything podcast related. And you also have uh, the chance to win some cool free stuff. Just by entering your email into the email list, you are automatically entered into draws that we do for cool prize packs. Prize packs usually include things like t-shirts and stickers and CDs and stuff like that. So by entering your name into the email list, you are automatically entered into all of these draws. So the email list includes discount codes, free music, free stuff. Why wouldn't you want to sign up for it? fsproductions.ca. While you're there, just check out the rest of the website. All of the podcasts get posted up there. There's also articles and blogs, podcast recommendations, short stories, Lots of cool things at fsproductions.ca. I highly recommend that you check it out. That, again, is fsproductions.ca. On this episode of the podcast, I am joined by my good friend, Carly Anton. Carly is one of the most badass and determined people that I know. She is an absolute monster in the best possible way. In this podcast, we talk a lot about mental fortitude, kind of powering through things and how that improves your life and allows you to know what you're capable of and allows you to know more about yourself. Carly also recently went on a solo trip, a solo trip to Chile. Um, she was there backpacking around the country by herself and she also went on a solo hiking trip for eight days so she tells us all about that and the impact that that had on her life and all that kind of good stuff i really enjoyed this conversation with carly i thought it was really awesome um, i really enjoy all these conversations because it allows me to get to people it allows me to get to know people that i've known for a long time just that much better because you don't often get times where you're sitting down for two, three hours, literally just engaged in conversation with somebody, and that's all you're doing. So I'm very thankful for this podcast because it has allowed me to connect with a wide variety of cool people and connect deeper with the people who are already in my life. So I really hope that you enjoy this podcast that I did with Carly and have a great day.
crazy what the human body can be put through and live through and then how little something has to go wrong <laughs> and you're dead yeah <laughs> we're so resilient and so fragile at the same, at time. The same time it's crazy yeah i always think about like crystal meth addicts and how you can be a meth addict for decades and live oh crazy story though I was at Christmas over the holidays, or sorry, I was at Christmas over the holidays. I was at, I was at Medicine Hat visiting with a friend of mine over the holidays. And uh, she was talking about how an extended family member was 19, and she her goal in life is to become, be a functioning meth addict. Like, I, I don't want to quit doing meth, but I don't want to end up homeless either. I just want to be a functioning... <laughs> Crystal meth addict. <laughs> I was like, okay, dream big. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, she ended up getting pregnant. How? I don't know. Like, how does a crystal meth addict who's like, I don't know, 100 pounds dripping wet. Get pregnant. Get pregnant. Yeah. She did at any rate. Um, had an abortion the first time because she was in a mental state that she could actually, you know, make that decision. Um Second time she got pregnant, again, mystery. But that's not even where the mysteries start. <laughs> so, um, gets pregnant, isn't able, like, for some she very obviously did not want the kid, had made it very obvious to everybody, said it out loud, I do not want this baby. Mm -hmm. But would not go to any of the appointments for an abortion that were scheduled for her, like her sister would do this for her. Make the appointments, being like, you just gotta show up. Yeah. That's all. And she couldn't. She refused to do all that. And, uh, but continued to do math, continued to drink, continued to whatever, just live her life as if this wasn't a thing. She was completely ignoring the fact that she was pregnant and this problem in her life. Yeah. <sighs> problem. And, um, meanwhile, um, family's thinking, okay, well, if she carries this baby to full term, what the hell are we going to do with it? Someone's got to take it. Um, and they didn't know if she wanted to give it up for adoption or was this just going to be someone in the family is going to take it? Like what, what's going to go on? Mm -hmm. Um, so eventually in the end, she decided she was going to put this kid up for adoption. Um, a family in Edmonton had met her, had signed all the paperwork. This was a done deal. They were going to take the baby as soon as it was, as soon as it was born. And it was going to be like an open adoption and they invite, they like met like add them on friend as friends on Facebook, like the whole family and everything. Um, but she's in the delivery room and she hears the baby cry and she like lost her shit and was like, get that basically piece of shit out of this room. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, the baby had zero signs of withdrawal Yeah. of any, any deficiencies whatsoever. Like it was a perfectly normal child. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that blows my mind. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. So resilience in like its purest form, like the host for your entire life is trying desperately to kill you. Yeah. And, and you somehow you make somehow it through. Come out and you're healthy. <laughs> and she's healthy and she's happy. Like none of those like withdrawal screams, like none of that stuff. Yeah. So you're just like, how? Yeah. Human body, how? <laughs> what programs do you have yeah. embedded in there that make this happen? Yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But it worked out really well, despite the fact that that kid had some pretty interesting 
uh, like start to life start to life <laughs> yeah. yeah and you know it's worked out really nicely like the family in edmonton has had like this really cool relationship with the extended family like not her obviously she doesn't want to have anything to like she's just like i just want to be a functioning meth addict yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's something like wrong there like totally. there's something wrong with like there's some I like just... deep issue there yeah for sure like what do you like what has to happen in your life for you to be like yeah i don't really care about me yeah, and I also just want to do meth all the time, but, like, yeah. in a way where I can still be a part of society, you know? <laughs> I don't want to waste away, but I also don't want to be here, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, I, it's hard for me to, like, I guess, talk to that, because I've, I've never really, like, yes, I've battled with, like, depression and mm -hmm. stuff like that, but I've never really really been to the point where i'm like just fuck everything you know mm -hmm. like yeah no me neither so there's always some part of me that's like no you can get through this you have to get through this you want to get through this yeah let's do it yeah you know you just need your break or you just need to look at the bright side in any situation and go with that yeah like when there's two opposing views of something go with the one that makes you feel better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go with the one go with the decision that's good for you good for your family good for society now and later yeah. and forever <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah and i guess like some people maybe they just don't know what that decision is or they have problems like making that call or something like that but true and i think that also like there's a lot of nurture that comes into that right it depends on like what examples you've been shown as a kid mm. you know the one of the things that i heard recently was that um i was talking to a woman who i work out with at the gym and uh she's going through like a really bad time in her life like eventually i had to look i was like what is the matter like there's something going on here she's like i just I'm actually suffering from adrenal fatigue right now. Like, I cannot go to the gym anymore. Yeah. I cannot. Like, I have to just take it easy. And, like, my body's actually just shutting down. She was, like, I was at the pool with my son. And I was, like, trying to hold him up in the water. And I just could not. Like, I work out. I could not hold him up in the water. And I was, like, falling asleep in the water. She was, like, there's something fucking going wrong. Anyway, she's going through this divorce. It's been really ugly. And, uh... She has a kid, so she had to move back in with her parents because, well, she was married. She wasn't working. She didn't have any education. She has to go back to school. Um, and uh, where was I going with this? Adrenal fatigue. Mm. Nature versus nurture. Nature versus nurture. What she had said was that when you, like, a lot of parents, when they're going through a divorce, they will stick it out for the kids. Yeah. And it's actually not the best thing to do because then the kids lots of times end up with this skewed idea of what a relationship should be like yeah so because it's not lost on the kids that there's something wrong here there's and this isn't yeah. functioning this is uncomfortable this is bad mojo nobody's happy mm -hmm. but for some reason we stay in this situation yeah for indefinitely or until some master cluster happens and boom um but yeah, she said that she made the executive decision to, like, leave, despite the fact that her kid, her son is only, like, seven. Yeah. Or something like that. But she's like, I just don't want him growing up thinking that that's a normal relationship. Like, it is not, it is not healthy. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and, like, yeah. we've all, we've all been around 
well, I'm sure we've all been around couples that things aren't going well. You know what I mean? It's, you can pick up on that. Like there's subtle little things that they're doing with each other. And like, that's not lost on kids. Mm -mm. Like kids are probably way more aware of what you're doing than you are, you Mm -hmm. know, because they're watching you. They're like taking everything in. Yeah. And if you're, and if that's how they're learning how to navigate the world and make decisions and like, maybe like a lot of their I would say probably a lot of their self-esteem and like self-worth and stuff like that comes from that kind of environment so yeah I guess <laughs> responsibility as a parent holy shit yeah well, like <laughs> do not mess up your kid. but <laughs> no. it's inevitable I think it truly is inevitable like yeah. you're gonna mess up somehow and I heard the quote a little <laughs> actually probably a couple of years ago but it never ceases to make me chuckle that uh, it's your parents' fault, you're an asshole, it's your fault for staying that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Like, <laughs> so, at the same time, like, yes, lots of responsibility as a parent, don't fuck up your kid, but at the same time, the power is there to change as you become an adult, and yeah. if you want to, like, actually focus on being a good person, there are ways to find out what being a good person looks like. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just from your parents. Like, mm-hmm. like one of the biggest realizations that I had in my 20s, well, at least dealing with my family, mm-hmm. um, is that, like, my parents had me when they were 30. Mm-hmm. I'm 28 right now. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be ready to have a kid in two years? <laughs> Fuck no. Like, <laughs> Absolutely not. I know myself. And in two years, I'm... Like, I'll be different, and I'll be, like, a better adult, but I'm not going to be ready for, like, that responsibility. So, like, just realizing that and being, like, they were just people Mm -hmm. who who this happened to. They had a kid, and they were dealing with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And they they did the best they could, I'm sure. And, Mm -hmm. like, sometimes, obviously, like, they probably did do things wrong or they did screw me up in a way, but I don't blame them for it, you know? Because, like, they are just... People. doing their best too yeah. <laughs> yeah well you hope anyway yeah you hope you hope that like i like to give people the benefit of the doubt i like to think that everybody's trying their best at least i yeah i think for the most part people are good people like yeah. they're not in their core horrible yeah. sadistic i think it's uh i actually had this conversation with a group of people who were, you know, nearing 50, if not over 50, last year. Um, There was six of us, and I found it interesting that the entire group was so jaded and just tired of life that they were like, I think people are horrible. Like, show of hands, who thinks people at their base level, like, we're probably like four drinks in, five drinks in. Who thinks people are just like... (laughs) The horrible, sadistic, only out for themselves kind of people. And every single one of them but me threw up their hand and I was like, holy shit, oh, have God. I just not experienced life yet? <laughs> <Yeah>. Or... <laughs> and uh, so I was just like, no, I think people, like, everyone's a good person. I think, yeah, life throws stuff at you that is not ideal. Um, the way you react to it is entirely in your control. In exactly. fact, those things that happen to you for the most part, and, well, maybe not for the most part, but a lot of that stuff is not in your control. Yeah. It's how you react to it, that is. It's the only thing that you really can control. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, I think people at their heart are good people. I think it's just life makes us a little bit... There's a lot of competition. There's a mm-hmm. lot of competition in life in general, and it's not with just with your family. It's with... I mean, it's not just with work, because there's obviously competition at work, and just, like, 
societal status and stuff like that but there's also your family there's also your friends there's a lot of that and I think like it uh, it pits people against each other and in my mind of course if it's between you or me it's gonna be me yeah like <laughs> yeah but I think there are other ways to like not everyone's horrible it's not always just you or me again like there are things you can do and you can work together um, but I think if you really boil it down, everyone's just trying to do their best. I think so. I think yeah. like we are all just like life is hard. I, I th you realize that more and more as you get older and older is just life is just really hard. And it a lot is. of the time it's difficult Yeah, and that beats people down mm -hmm. and it's I like the, the thing is, is like, we, we're all trying our best, but when you are constantly being bombarded by life and, like, <laughs> life just keeps shitting all over you, like, it's really hard to do your best. And your best might literally be being an asshole just to get through the day. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, <laughs> Yes, your best is probably someone else's worst. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because that's just how it is. That we're is. all on different levels. I remember I saw, like, I, I keep, I also try and, like, put it into perspective um, when other people are going through a, a tough time that even though it seems like a perfectly navigatable situation to me, it's not necessarily that way for everybody because you learn lessons in life and it, it increases your threshold for what you can handle. Exactly. Right. The more obstacles you get over, the more that isn't an obstacle anymore. And mm -hmm. that's just something that you just casually think about and you're like, yeah, done. Yeah. Decision made. <laughs> exactly. Gone. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, uh, <clears throat> So especially with people like my sister, she has struggles and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember when I was like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same with my younger brother. I'm just like, he'll, like, he'll be facing something and I'm like, yep, like. <laughs> and I can give you advice on how I handle that yeah. situation, but chances are you're going to want to do it differently. Do it differently. And so you're just going to have to figure it out the way that everybody else does. Yeah, so, and, and that's by literally like going head first into the problem and just dealing with it which it's is scary. scary but it's absolutely necessary yeah. i think there's no way to just dance around stuff like you have to just deal with it like mm -hmm. get that courage if you need to plan it out plan it out if it if it helps you to conquer a situation by knowing what steps you're going to take then by all means do it if it's the opposite if it's just like don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and go, then, sure. But I think, um, yeah, of, like procrastination and stuff, like, sure, it has a place in the world, and procrastinators do have a place in the world. Yeah. They're very effect effective at doing things in little time. <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> but uh, I think it definitely, like, it just... It's, in my mind, it just slows your path, right? Mm -hmm. It just slows you down. It uh, keeps those problems, big problems, for longer. So instead of whittling them down into little problems, it just make, keeps them big problems. Yeah, and it builds, it. They, they those problems then compound on top yeah. of each other, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And eventually you're just like, why is like the universe is out to get me? And it's like, well, no. It's because literally you're in a negative mindset. So any little negative thing that happens, you're focusing on that negative thing. Yep. Good things are happening to you, too, while these negative things are happening, but you're focusing on the negative. Yes, exactly. And, 
like I'm the opposite right now. You know what I mean? Like a negative thing will happen to me and I'll be like, oh, that sucked. And then I move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, just recently after um, New Year's, actually, I went through like quite the mental slump. Yeah. And uh, it was a really bad set of two weeks. Like the first week was like I knew. So I knew I had to go back to work. And so I get to work on Wednesday morning or whatever it was after January or was it uh, whatever. Anyway, January 2nd, I go back to work. And I have three projects up in the air. One that I needed to start, and I knew it was in Denver. Um, and I know the qu- the question was, am I gonna f- am I gonna fly to Denver and be there in person and plan out this project uh, with everyone in the group in the room, or am I just gonna hold the session remotely because the vendor's gonna be calling in remotely anyway, and we can just like sketch out what we're gonna do in Excel. I'll put or on a sticky note, you know, real time board, whatever virtual mm-hmm. tool, and then I'll put it in project plan and blah blah blah. So originally, before the holidays, that was a no. I wasn't going to go down to Denver. But then I came back and I spoke to some of the other project managers and they were like, well, I think you should really go down there. Like, I think it'll be a lot better if you can... It would go a lot smoother if you were physically in the room facilitating because people just get on better that way. Yeah. And um, so... I was in like this mental slump where I was like, I don't know if I can actually deal with this right now. Like this is one of those first times where this just seems like insurmountable amounts of anxiety and stress right now. Like I, I don't want to deal with it. But on the other hand, I was like, but if I don't, I have a whole career and I have eyes on me and I know I do because my manager specifically said that I was under the microscope for this project. And I know (laughs) that the higher-ups, because they've told me specifically, have been putting in a good word for me the whole time. And I was like, Carly, you can't let them down. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I don't want to deal with this. And I knew that if I needed to go, it was going to be the next Monday, right? Like, I was getting on a plane Sunday night. Yeah. To be there for Monday morning, because that's when the planning session was scheduled, which I scheduled. (laughs) 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 So I, like frantically and like looking for the best flight to Denver and normally the flights to Denver are like 500 600 bucks maybe 700 this flight was like $1200 because it was super last minute yeah. and I was like sorry work I can't not do this so I called up the CIO and I was like I just want to run this by you just so that you're aware I'm going to go down to Denver we're going to plan this out because you know best practices all that good stuff he was like okay, yeah, cool. Well, you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, I always keep it as economical as possible. And I was like, okay, yeah, good. Got it. Book my hotel, book the flight. And then I had like this massive freaking panic attack. But at the end of the day, I still got on that plane. (laughs) And I still (laughs) went down to Denver. And I rocked the crap out of that presentation. (laughs) The VP of operations came by in the afternoon as I was taking, like, so we literally had sticky notes and I'm writing down and putting on the wall so that people can visualize the plan and like resequence the tasks. Cause they're just sticky notes. You can put them all anywhere. Yeah. And, um, so I'm taking that physical sticky note layout and putting it into Microsoft project. And, uh, the VP of operations comes by and he was like, you put on a really good presentation today. So like, thank you for doing that. Like this is, I'm really amped up for this. The team is really engaged and like, I'm feeling really good about it. Like, March 7th seems like a reasonable date to go live with this. And in the back of my mind, I was like, score. This guy's the VP of operations. He's probably seen so many presentations, and he said mine was good. 
<laughs> but I got back to Calgary after the week, and I was like, wow, that was a whirlwind of emotions, mm-hmm. and I could have totally turned around and walked away and been like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm mm-hmm. not going to go there. But then as horrible as it was and as great as it was at the end of it, I was like, this is just refocus my mind on taking care of myself. Like I never want to experience that ever again. So what came out of a really shitty situation was an opportunity to take care of myself Mm -hmm. and like refocus myself on getting better sleep, eating proper meals, taking some me time. Don't stretch myself so thin. Don't do all these things all at once, all the time with all these different people. Yeah. Like you're only one person yeah. and you also need to make sure that you're mentally stable because if you want to succeed in your career, which is a mot- which is a, a goal of mine, um, you're going to have to do all those other things too. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. But one thing I did actually find out about stress and anxiety and how your brain is wired Um, and it's an exercise as well, but like when you have all those like high cortisol, high stress hormones, um, firing your brain at all times, um, it's your, that's like laying the groundwork for the most enormous amount of endorphin release that your brain (laughs) will ever lay out. And so you go through all this like negative stress hormone and you're like all amped up and you're dreading and your anxiety and there's fear and there's just like, "Ah, I'm going to fail. And then you do it. And you succeed and then your body, like your brain just, it's already been programmed to then flood your system with endorphins so that feeling of achievement is just greater on purpose. And the greater the struggle, the greater the reward is literally programmed that way. (laughs) That's amazing. So that made me also think about like all those really bad negative moments in life. They're actually kind of like just little blessings in disguise and Mm -hmm. it can make you like in my situation focus on uh, preventing that and by taking care of yourself and, or whatever means possible. Um, but in addition, your brain's just going to reward you for getting through that. Mm. It's going to be a split second. It's going to be maybe, you know, 20 minutes, but it's a great, but it's going to be the greatest 20 minutes. (laughs) It's a great fucking feeling. I know. When you kill something like that, that you've been like really like dreading. You're just like, uh, it's the best feeling. Like, well, and on top of it, like I'm not a super when I travel for work, I work more. You're in a hotel room. I just recently learned that when you sleep in uncomfortable situations, one half of your brain actually just is on alert. Oh. You don't actually get into the third and fourth phase of deep sleep. Hmm. Like, it's just one of those things. Like, mammals in the ocean do it all the time. Yeah. It's just a function. They're really good at it, though. And mm-hmm. that's normal for them. It is not normal for us yeah. <laughs> to have half of our brain on alert when we're sleeping. Yeah. So in addition to just being like, oh, my God, presentations, VPs, people I've never met before, work, uh, <laughs> under the microscope, what am I doing here? Then layer on top the fact that I'm in an inf- in, um, what's the word? Unfamiliar. Unfamiliar town not sleeping in my own bed, not eating proper food, working later, longer. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a negative feedback loop. Oh, you know for what I sure. mean? Like it's like Yes, and those are so real. Yeah. So yeah, real. They so they are. Like the less <laughs> the less sleep you get, the more stressed you get, and then the more stress you have causes you to sleep less. And yes, then it's just like absolutely. it's really hard to break out of those it's cycles. Same like, thing with like depression. Like my boyfriend Adam he 
suffers from depression and he'll tell me about how like and I've never seriously suffered I when I was in university there were moments where yeah I think I was depressed but it was a fleeting thing it lasted for you know a matter of six months and then it was gone and I've never experienced it again thank god Mm. but he suffers all the time diagnosed and um he said it's one of those things where you're depressed because you think about your life and think about who you are and um, all the things you don't like and you feel unproductive and you don't really like yourself and it makes you depressed. And then because you're depressed, you just think more about how you don't like yourself and it makes you even more unproductive. Mm-hmm. You have no will and no gumption to get up and do anything. So not doing that makes you depressed and the depression makes you not do that. So it's just like this cycle of just like always being in a shit mess. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh man. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'll like, help Laura again. <laughs> like, yeah, I've never had to like seriously, I don't think, battle with depression. Like, I, I would say that I have been depressed in my life. Mm-hmm. And it lasted maybe like even like a couple of years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to pull myself out of that. And, like, yeah. what really helped me was, like, honestly just working on myself mm-hmm. and, like, being, like, okay, I need to actually, like, like, podcasts actually helped mm-hmm. me a lot with that. Just, like, nice. getting, hearing uh, stories about, like, how normal depression is and how other people combated depression mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, being able to combat depression through exercise, through healthy eating, through yeah. all these things and, like... So now I just try my best to focus on those things. And, like, I, I've developed these mental, I don't know, practices that um, have really benefited me. Mm-hmm. And as I'm thinking about it, it's honestly, it's mostly just mindfulness. Yeah. Like, in, like, the meditation sense, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Is when emotions pop up, I identify those emotions, yep. I feel those emotions, and then they go away. Yeah. But it's, like, if you try and... Uh, resist those emotions or hold on to those emotions, that's where you get the suffering from, you know what I mean? So yes, like, yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. I struggle with the feeling part, for sure. It's getting better as I get older, yeah. but I've always been able to very easily identify how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, but then just trying to deal with it by skipping the whole feeling it. You know? Like, yeah. I see what this is, and I need to do away with it, so let's do that. Yeah. But... There's a moment where you need to just be like, I see what this is. Let me just take a moment to revel in that for better or for worse. So I can at least like get the full picture and then decide how I'm going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So unfortunately to everybody else yields you kind of a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm getting better. Um, part of it is just talking about it being like, I feel like this right now. And Adam's really good as like a sounding board for me. Yeah. Um, because he feels all the feels Mm -hmm. because he's just always feeling them. Yeah. (laughs) So he's, he's good for that. And he's good for, uh, not just brushing them off and brushing them away the, the way that I would typically do with myself. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, that's also growth, which is really, it's hard. It's tough. Emotions are hard. <laughs> Emotions are one of, like, my biggest challenges in life, believe me. Like, <laughs> Why can't I just be happy all the freaking time? Yeah. And, like, my, like, 
old strategy was obvious, you know, it's like, oh, something's happening, just push that deep down in there. Oh, yeah, I'm super happy. <laughs> Woohoo. Super, like, <laughs> super great. Yeah. <laughs> and then that comes out in like a weird negative way somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah, I should have maybe just dealt with that. And, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Oh, well. Yeah. Lots of life lessons. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And like, that's, that's like the main thing that you get out of these challenging situations, too, is you learn. Yeah. If you don't learn, then you're doing it wrong and it's going to suck. But. Well, and I just can't wait till the next time I have to travel for a planning session. I'm like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just be easier and easier and easier every time I do it. I'll be like, I rocked the last one, so bring it on, world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there is an element of just like self confidence that I also have to work through. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I got this uh, at work, this 360 review is what they call them. And uh, they're basically questions that you ask to, or you're asking for ratings on these different areas um, from people above you, your peers, and the people that report to you. And so it's like a whole collective, like what everyone thinks about you in one report. Yeah. Um, And it's really important. They always preface it and they make sure that you're ready for it because some of it can be really negative. Like maybe people do want to tell you that you're really sucking at this. And I just didn't have a way to tell you until this very formal anonymous (laughs) survey comes out. (laughs) So they do try and preface it with like all of these things are likely not personal attacks. This is a way for people to offer you constructive criticism and it is worded that way to the raiders as well so it's definitely not um a way for them to get off their chest that argument that they had with you last week right yeah so go in knowing that you're going to have some strengths you're going to have some weaknesses or development needs is what they call them and uh maybe just have a positive like look at them as opportunities look at your development needs as opportunities for improvement rather than cuts to your ego yeah and um so I got mine back and it was completely divided. It was, uh, okay. So I guess out of five, I got a 4.2 rating, which I consider pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the confidence piece was split right down the center. There was the same amount of people that said Carly's got really great confidence and it comes through in her work and her communication style. And then there's the other half that were like, Carly needs to work on her confidence. And I think like she needs to trust her instincts more because they're sound. I know they're sound because of the, assi- the decisions that she does make but she needs to go with that more. And then I think one person also put in a comment there that I think Carly would benefit from taking like some confidence or communication course or something like this. Yeah. And, uh, so those things also play on my mind every time I go into one of these sessions or any in like situation in life, it's always just like, pretend like you're the most confident person in the world. Get rid of that imposter syndrome that you somehow, for some reason, have thinking that you don't deserve this and that you're lucky to be here. But, like, actually own it and think it and feel it and exude it because then, like, nobody knows what you're thinking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, like, unless they've got their own weird everyone-is-beneath-me opinion on everybody, they're going to think you're just as credible as they are. Mm -hmm. And, uh... It's only until you say that you're not that they even get the thought run through their mind or until you, like, majorly fuck up. But mm. <laughs> even then. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, that's the thing. And I think, like, Joe Rogan has a joke on this or whatever, but it's like, oh. like, the only, 
Most people don't know what they're doing. Like we're all humans, we don't know what we're doing. Nobody has any idea what we're doing. So we instinctively just follow the most confident person in the room. It's true. It's so true. And if that person is just faking that confidence, we don't know. Like they act like they know what they're doing. So Oh man, that is perfect. That is everything I needed to hear. And I mean, that is so good. I've experienced this like I've volunteered at festivals before. And nobody has any idea what's happening at any festival when you volunteer. Like nobody <laughs> any has any time. <laughs> nobody has any idea. It's just chaos. It's absolute <laughs> chaos. Nobody has a clue. And I was like relieving this dude who had a walkie-talkie, and he gave me the walkie-talkie, and he tried to explain to me. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, if somebody calls you, like this is gonna." And then he stopped, and he's like, "Nobody will message you. It's fine." And he gave me the walkie-talkie, and he left. And I was like, "Well." I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this Perfect. thing, but now that I have a walkie-talkie, people are approaching me and being like, oh, yeah, no, so, like, what am I supposed to do here? And I'm like, uh... Make it up, <laughs> yeah, Cody. Yeah, you go, you go do this thing. It's like... <laughs> you know what? You're supposed to go get me a drink yeah. and bring it back. Yes, How does that sound? Exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> what the supervisor said. This is what the walkie-talkie said. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> You know, part of this agreement is that I get refreshments at all times yeah, from anyone. On, on demand, so <laughs> on please, demand. please. But, but yeah, nobody has any, like most people at least, like I don't want to say nobody has any clue, but the majority right. of people I don't think have really any idea what is going on. Yeah. And they're dealing with it in the exact same way that you're dealing with it as it's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, some people are just better at that than others, but like if yeah. you just pretend that you're confident like nobody's going to know it's one of those fake it till you make it kind of situations and uh yeah i think it plays like well and see this is i don't know am i good at what i do or am i just faking it yeah i don't know because my confidence is telling me that i'm just faking it yeah and that i'm just lucky to be here (laughs) and that you know i've just somehow ended up with like really good streaks of opportunity (laughs) but on the other hand is like no confidence would say that no i fucking deserve to be here i worked really hard i've done really well like people don't say good things about me because i'm crap yeah you know yeah so yeah it's it's a tough one yeah the confidence thing is it's hard to develop that confidence yeah it's something i've struggled with my entire life yeah like um yeah so and i mean it's hard for me as well, because I have that, like, imposter syndrome, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I never feel like I deserve what I am, like, is happening to me at the yes, time. Yes, exactly. And, but then you, I, if you actually do look back on it, you're like, no, fuck that. I, like, worked my ass <laughs> off to be here. I like, made sacrifices <laughs> to be here. Yeah. And I saw opportunities, and there's the type of person that just lets that opportunity walk on by. And then there's the person that sees that opportunity is like, I'm going to make that my bitch. Yeah. And <laughs> there you are. And there you have it. Reins in hand and you're going with it. Yeah. And I have to admit that I've done that for the most part. Like it's really, in fact, it's really hard for me to think about opportunities that have been passed and not be regretful. Yeah. Right. Which is maybe even a problem in and of itself. Just be okay with what's happened and what's not happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But uh, that insatiable desire to be productive and be successful is, it's ingrained. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's for sure. But it it also (laughs) makes it feel so much better when you do have that day where you just do nothing. Yeah. You're just like, I 
deserve this day. Like, yes. This is something I deserve. I've been working hard. Like, if that's your life, if you're just doing nothing every day, mm -hmm. you feel like a bag of shit. Right. <laughs> like, we've probably all been there where we've had those streaks where we just watched Netflix literally all weekend and not really moved from the mm -hmm. couch. You feel yes. like a bag of shit. <laughs> yeah. I can honestly, Cody, I can with 100% certainty say that I have never done that. Okay. <laughs> because the idea of having a whole day to myself, like this is this Saturday. No, yeah. wait, hold on. I'm doing a marathon row on Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. That's it. I have Sunday and I can do whatever I want. And it actually fills me with warm fuzzies thinking about how I could do nothing all day on Sunday and it would be perfectly okay. But I can guarantee you with 99.9% .9 certainty with a degree of variability of zero hmm. that I will wake up on Sunday morning and I'll be like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to clean the house, and then I'm going to meal prep like a, like a badass bitch because I'm going to have a bomb-ass lunch all week. And then I'm going to go to yoga, and then I'm going to complete some, you know, thought-provoking journaling entry. And then I'm going to... I can guarantee you that's going to happen. <laughs> because for some reason, I can't just sit around. There's actually a... And it's actually a problem. Like, this is not something I'm proud of because yeah. I recognize... These past few weeks, I stretched myself so thin that I ended up with in a very bad mental state. Mm -hmm. And so I need to build in more me time. I need to build in more, like, just hanging out, doing nothing time. Um, but there is a joke in our house that Adam has completely concocted. And uh, he was like, you can't sit down and watch a movie with Carly because 15 minutes in... She will, like, without even realizing that she's leaving the room, leave the room and go clean up the kitchen or something. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where he doesn't invite me to go to movies anymore. <laughs> he will not invite me to go to the theaters because he knows it's just a waste of money because I'm going to be like... Because in addition to not being able to sit there for long enough, I also do not remember anything that I've watched. Yeah. Once the show's over. <laughs> Once the show's over, Adam's like, yeah, I remember that time and that thing that happened. And I was like... Yikes. I was just in there with you, I promise. But no, <laughs> I do not remember that. And it's yeah. just a clear indication that my mind is completely somewhere else. Yeah, you're thinking about what you could be doing. Like It's a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's... The thing is, is, you need to find a balance between the two. Because either extreme is not good. Bad. Either extreme is bad, yeah. Like, you can either stretch yourself too thin, and then eventually you're, you know, you're going to have... Uh, I, I, you're going to wear yourself out, basically. Yep. Or you can Done do it. the opposite <laughs> yeah. and you feel like a bag of shit because you're literally doing nothing. <laughs> like... There's not enough challenge there. There's yeah. too much excess energy and just... And I find, yeah, it is. that's also like a negative or positive feedback loop. I don't know what you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the difference is between the two. But anyway, the more you sleep, the more tired you feel. Like when you sleep in really late, I've done this. Once. <laughs> no, I've done this multiple times. You sleep in, like, you wake up at your normal time, whether it's an alarm or not, on the weekend, and you wake up and you're feeling good, and you're like, but maybe, like, half an hour longer. Like, maybe I'll feel even better if I stay in bed for even half an hour longer, and then you wake up and you're like, wow, I feel more tired. Yeah. I feel worse, for sure. Yeah. And then it just kind of screws up your whole day. Like, you just kind of stay in that, like, lull zone. But, Yes. I agree. The yin and yang. Yeah. The Taoism. Yeah. The Jordan Peterson straddle the line between the two. Yeah. yeah but between order and chaos. Between order and chaos. Yeah. yeah. Too much order, you have 
uh, dictatorships and stuff. And tyranny. And tyranny. Too much chaos, and that's self-explanatory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have chaos. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing makes sense, and everyone's upset. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. Nothing's lining up. And, yeah, it's actually interesting. Now that I know... Or that's been brought to my attention. Because I think, like, everybody knows that on some level. Like, you understand. Because as soon as he starts talking about it, you're like, yeah, I understand. Totally. Mm-hmm. I know that. But it's when you explicitly call it out like that, that this is what order is, and this is how you know. Mm-hmm. This is what chaos is, and this is how you know. I've started to pick out those things in my life, and I'm like, oh, my God. So after this whole, like, mental plummet in, like, the first two weeks of January, I then, third week we're in the third week, started to feel better and like picking myself up again. And, uh, I was like, why am I feeling better? Like what's changed? And so I looked through, I keep a calendar of all the things that are going on in my life and my phone, mm-hmm. in addition to my work calendar. And so I just started reviewing all the events that had happened in the last two or three weeks. And every single one of them panned out exactly as I had planned. Yeah. And I was like, it's be- because I'm just back in the order. I'm not in the chaos anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's working out as I had planned and as I expected yeah. and in a positive way. Like, it will always make you feel a little bit better, but mm-hmm. the chaos is about to happen this weekend on Saturday. <laughs> I signed myself up for a a, um, a charitable uh, marathon row, I guess. So it's 42.2 kilometers. It's sp- spread out among four people. I'm on a team of four people, thank yeah. God. Because I don't know if I could actually even do 42.2 kilometers on a rower. That would suck. Um, or I'd be there all day. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Someone feed me food <laughs> through a straw. Yeah. Drip it into my mouth, <laughs> Just, Exactly. But uh, it's for a charity. It's for actually a CrossFit gym in Coquitlam is uh, raising money for this um yeah, animal shelter called Leash, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's 25 bucks to participate. And so I'll be doing 10 kilometers and 550 meters of rowing on Saturday. I've never done that before in my life. And I'm pretty sure I'm not going to know what's going on at any time. And I'm going to feel like garbage <laughs> after. But hey, it's for a good cause. And we're raising money yeah. for dogs. <laughs> and like, fuck, you need that shit in your life. You, you do. Need, you need to do the shit that scares you. You need yes. to like plunge head first into like fear and just like Mm -hmm. meet it head on and be like i have never done this before it terrifies me let's fucking do it you know what i mean yes yes that's where you find the most growth in your life yeah and that is honestly i i looked at it i was like yeah a marathon amongst four people that means 10 almost 11 kilometers of rowing yeah let's do it sounds horrible sounds terrifying (laughs) i've never done it before but let's do it sign me up (laughs) put me in coach (laughs) so i was like i had this one of those things i can just put on my completed list yeah (laughs) exactly and one of the biggest changes that has helped me in my life is i used to be like the type of person who would like make plans and then the plans would approach and I'd be like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then I would uh, bail on the plans. You know what I yeah. mean? And I would just never do anything. Yeah. So what I started doing is I just say, like, this is, it's just like almost out of Yes Man, the movie or whatever. But I just say yes to things now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if I say yes to things, I'm going to do it. You yes. know? And like, if somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey, do you want to do this thing you've never done before? I usually just say yes, because yep. I don't, I've never done it before. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it's a new experience, A. And B, like 
gets me out of my shell. It just yeah. gets me doing things. And, and what the heck, you might love it. Exactly. <laughs> like, you might love it. This might be your new, exactly. new hobby or your whatever. new thing yeah. that you didn't know you would totally love. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's just, it's had such a positive effect on like my life in general. It's just like, cause now I just like do things and it also, uh, the way people treat me, I've noticed has changed because mm -hmm. now they come to me to do things and they know I'm going to do them. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's totally. A, it's Instead good... of being like, well, don't ask Cody because he's just going to bail anyway. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we all have those friends who you're just like, you've totally. invited them out so many times and they just always say no and you eventually stop inviting them. And that's totally that's what happens. Like, yeah. For you, sure. you can only get rejected so many times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like you can only like reject yourself so many times before you're like, nah, man, I got to do something about this. Yeah. I actually do nothing all the time and it's starting to wear me down. Yeah. But yeah, no, life is good that way. There's lots of opportunities for just like trying something new. Mm -hmm. I was actually... Infinite opportunities. Infinite opportunities. I was actually... So I've written down... So at the end of my, my trip to Chile, because that was like a whole friggin it was a whirlwind of emotions and at the end i felt super accomplished discovered i really like solo travel yeah. and uh i was sitting in my hotel the only hotel that i had booked that's actually a pretty funny story so i had initially booked a hostel for my last night in santiago and i showed up and it was not as clean or secure as advertised like not only did i have to pay for a lock to lock my stuff up um i wasn't there for even 20 minutes and the main door lock yeah. had not had stopped working uh. so like two police officers had to stand outside the front doors just to make sure that random people who weren't supposed to be in weren't you know coming in and out yeah. and i was like yeah maybe not but that was the f that was only the first indication. The second and maybe third, fourth, fifth thing that I decided, or that you know, real, really affirmed my decision that I needed to leave, was I was making dinner because I had some food in my backpack from my hike, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm much too lazy to go out and like, and too hungry at this point to walk around for an hour, find a place to eat, then wait another hour before my food shows up. So I'm just gonna make some of the food in the kitchen here. Mm -hmm. So I'm making my food." And this guy comes along and he um, looks like so much like a drifter. You know, he's basically decked out in what festival goers would wear, you know, at a festival, though. Yeah. Not in real life. He's yeah. wearing them in real life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, you're an interesting person. And he starts speaking to me and he sounds very American, but he tells me he's Russian. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So through a series of just like carefully articulated questions because also i don't want to be offensive and i don't want to be accusatory but like there's something fishy about this um i found out that he was actually he grew up in the states like his whole life except he was never a permanent resident he was always just like a landed immigrant without like proper documentation because i guess his parents like he was like two so it's not his fault yeah but his parents just didn't take care of these things yeah um, so he ended up getting fake married. I don't know what that means, but those are his exact words and getting deported from the United States and having to go back to Russia. But because he lived his entire life in the States, the Russian culture and him don't really get along and all his family and friends or family, I guess, yeah. in Russia didn't really accept him as a Russian. He was just an American dude. Yeah. And, uh, so instead of, you know, rising to the challenge and, and 
becoming a part of society there with his friends and dealing with all the negative and the positive that came along with that, he decided he was just going to bail. So he went to Colombia and was living in Colombia for 11 months. And, uh, the first thing I was like, how are you still alive? <laughs> but also why Colombia of all places? Um, but it tells me that he has been stabbed. I asked him where he got stabbed because I was like, yeah, right. You look perfectly fine. Yeah. But he got stabbed in the leg. I guess, in the thigh. And uh, he'd been in run-ins with the police and the military for no apparent reason other than just being alive. And there was so much... And then he definitely came to came around to talking about how his whole situation, he's making the most of it, but he really hates it. And he knows that it's his fault and he's made some really shitty decisions. But there's so much self-hate in that like the way that he was talking about himself, I was like, you really don't like yourself. Yeah. Like, I bet this guy has a hard time looking in the mirror. Yeah. And, um, I, at, meanwhile, I'm eating my dinner at this point. He's sitting across from me eating literally a bowl of rice with just butter and pepper on it. And he's like, yeah, this is dinner. I was like, that's a bowl of rice. That's not dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that's a side dish for your dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, telling me how, like, He's vegan and, you know, maybe like, he's just like all my favorite foods are, you know, vegan foods. You know, I like I like carrots and beets and rice. And, you know, I live on like about because I asked him, so how do you work? Like, how do you afford lodging and food and all this sort of stuff? And he said, I just um, I live on like 50 bucks a month and I just happen to like all the cheapest foods. And I was like, OK, he said, then one day, you know, I wake up. And I'm in a mood to go get a job. So I go and get a job and I work for a little while. And then, you know, one day I just wake up and I'm not in a mood to have a job. And so I quit my job and whatever. And I was like, man, that sounds like a mental health issue. The way that he kind of explained it, he wakes up with different personalities, okay. you know? Yeah. And um, I was like, yeah, I wake up everyone. I didn't say this out loud, but I, wake I was thinking, yeah, I wake up sometimes thinking that I don't want a job. But I realized that that's not how life goes and that I actually have to go to work yeah if i want to sustain any amount of satisfaction in my life yeah and quality of life yeah um anyway so he's talking but he's always coming down like very hard on himself and right before i left because at this point i'm like sitting across from him eating my dinner but also looking up hotels to stay in because <laughs> i am not staying here now like there yeah. is no way these are all signs pointing to carly you need to get the fuck out of here yeah. this is not a good place to be um and right before i left i was like Vladimir was his name. I was like, you have to start liking yourself because at the end of the day, you've all you've got. Your family's not here. Your friends aren't here. You are, and even if they were here, really, it's just you mm -hmm. and yourself, right? You got to be okay with yourself. And I said, I'm going to go get my bags though. So I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> and I left and I went upstairs and I grabbed my shit and then I checked into the other hotel or sorry, I grabbed my stuff, came back down, went through my bags because knowing that I wasn't going to have a kitchen in my hotel room, I was going to get rid of my food. I was just going to leave it in the fridge at the hostel. And, you know, they always have like shareable. There's a shelf where it's like a food donation shelf, a food exchange shelf. Yeah. Um. So I was just going to take that down. But I decided like, no, this guy needs help. I'm going to give him my dried out soy protein product here. You eat that, um, some pasta, some garbanzo beans. He was very thankful, like very 
I think he called me an angel before I left and he was like very thankful for the stuff that I had given him. Um, but like all sorts of like weird vibes from this guy. And I was like, I need to leave. Yeah. That's a fun side story. (laughs) (laughs) What I meant to say was I was sitting in my hotel after this, just like reveling in the trip and how successful it had been and how it had totally exceeded my expectations. And I had exceeded my own expectations. Mm -hmm. And, um, I decided that when I got back to Calgary, I was going to start focusing more on goals that I have instead of just like bumbling along because for the most of 2018, honestly, like I just coasted. Mm -hmm. There was not a lot of thought and intention in what I was doing at work, in my personal life, in my recreational life. Like it was just doing whatever to get by, not a lot of thought going into it. Yeah. And uh, so I decided that I was going to not do that anymore. And so I've written down like a list of goals that I want to achieve and the time frame within them. And so some of them are five years, but some of them are within six months mm-hmm. and some of them are within a year and whatever else. And some of them are not complete by, but maybe check in on myself at this time. Like, how am I doing here? Yeah. Um. And they span from professional to my relationship with Adam, to my relationship with friends, to my exercise career, to nutrition, um, to like strengthening family ties and all that sort of stuff. And my relationship with myself. And, uh, I am super excited and I think it's going to bring like a pretty good 2019. Um, but I was just looking up like volunteer opportunities today because there's a lot of places that you can just like give back. Cause I think one of those things is like, I don't have a ton of responsibility in my life. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah, I don't have a pet. I don't have kids like Adam's there. And I guess he's as close to a husband as you can get. We're common law, but he's not a husband. Yeah. So I have friends and I have work and stuff like that. But really my, my life is pretty responsibility less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, taking a page out of Jordan Peterson's book and adopting some responsibility will bring more meaning and more focus to achieving my goals because I have something to achieve for, you know, if not just myself, but for others. And so I figured starting like a good place to start would be to volunteer in Calgary somewhere. Yeah, for sure. So I was looking at some of those today and, uh, I would love to adopt like and foster an animal for a period of time, but we're not allowed pets in our place. So. Well. <laughs> figure something else out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, stupid rental. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Well, I don't because I've never rented in my life. So. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> You're so lucky. Uh, yeah. There's a whole different set of problems that comes along with owning something. True. Though, which is like entirely different. And mm-hmm. again, it's, there's benefits and negatives to both kind of yeah. like there is with everything, but um, totally I, I do. One thing that I have found helped me out a lot was actually writing down my goals. Like you uh-huh. just said, it's like actually putting, instead of just thinking about them mm-hmm. or thinking what you want to do, you write down your goals like, mm-hmm. and like, it doesn't matter what they are, you know, like you say you want to learn a little bit of a new language or whatever, write it down. Say you want to say you want to eat a vegetable a day. Yeah. Write it down. <laughs> write, write that it shit down. down. <laughs> write that shit down. It like, may seem little, but it's freaking Herculean yeah. if you never eat vegetables. Exactly. Like, 
Like, and then you'll be surprised because then you just start like subconsciously working at those goals. Like, yes. I went back and like reviewed my goals from last year, you know, mm -hmm. as the new year turned over, you yeah. know, you kind of go back and I looked at the goals I had and I was like, oh, like I accomplished that and I accomplished that and like, but I did, wasn't aware that I was even yes. working towards those things, you know They're what I mean? Itching, scratches yeah, the back just, of your head. It was just stuff that I was doing and it yeah. was like, I had a goal as like, I want to develop the friendships that I have made in the previous year more deeply this year and like mm -hmm. with the newer people in my life and stuff like that like the new friends I would like to become more close with them and that just happened and like yeah. maybe it's just a natural thing but I like to think at least it was because I wrote mm -hmm. that down <laughs> yeah so I did something similar and it was like this subconscious like um feed that kept me doing it but it was um I put together a jar and I painted it and I decorated it and uh, I considered it my good things jar for all of 2018 and I, I'm going to continue it for 2019. But anytime that something good would happen or something that I that just like put a little spring in my step, I would write it down and I put it in the jar. Yeah. So that at the end of the year, I could review all the good things that happened. Yeah. Whether cause, because sometimes like a lot of that shit happens and you you don't forget it. Like I mean, you don't remember. You forget it. You yeah. take it for granted, or it just seems like that was three years ago and you're like, actually that was just in March. <laughs> like, so I went through and it, it was like, I was hoping and it did actually happen that I saw the jar there every day. Cause it's exactly right where I put my keys before I head out the door and I would see it and I'd be always happy to put something in the good things jar. And then it kind of just like fostered a desire to make good things happen so I could put them in the jar. <laughs> so it was like that. It actually worked. I definitely put more effort into saying yes to things because it could turn out really awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and just putting more effort into things because I wanted it to turn out awesome. Yeah. You know? Um, and then just being more grateful for everything because I wanted to put stuff into the good things jar. I had to look for things that were good. Yeah. You know? So you start being grateful for the little things that you would normally been like, yeah, that was pretty okay. Yeah. Whereas you're like, no, that was great. I'm going to put it in the jar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really nice on yeah. January 1st of 2019 to go through it and just review and reflect and appreciate again and feel the endorphins and the happiness again for all those things that happened. Mm -hmm. So it was really nice. Yeah. I'm going to do that for 2019. I've already got three things in there. Really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's like the 17th of January. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, like, 2019 is off to a great start. Like, I, like for, for me, at least, like, mm -hmm. 2018, I felt the same way. I was just doing things. Yeah. I was kind of floating through. A lot of things changed in my life in 2018. Like, mm. I lived by myself for the very first time. Like, I had to deal with this house, just living in it by myself, which yeah. was challenging. And um, new relationships and heartbreak and yep. all these things happened to me <laughs> that I was just, like, and like at the end, I was like, that was a hard year. Um, I learned a lot about myself. And then I re read through my journal. And it again, it was just like through the, the entire year of 2018, it's just like good things happen and bad things happen. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just how you kind of your outlook on it, you know, yeah. like at the time I was like, this was a terrible year. But then <laughs> I like read some journal entries and at like one point in March of that year, it was like, I'm having such a great year right now. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> like, I 
freaking forgot all about that. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like... How ungrateful yeah. of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like from that year and from those terrible times, I feel like more focused. Mm-hmm. I know what I want out of life a little bit more. Like yeah. I'm working towards those goals. Mm-hmm. I know what I need to do to achieve those goals, mm-hmm. you know, and things have been going well so far in 2019. Nice. Well, congratulations. Be, yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. May it continue. Yes, hopefully it will. Throughout the whole, even in the bad times, yeah. hopefully it like spins off some, hey, so that was shitty, but I saw an opportunity there. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also like anytime that you have a weakness rather than see it as a negative thing, see it as an opportunity for improvement. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I can work on that. And now I know how to be better. I can or be I know, better, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being like, oh, I suck. I'm always going to have that weakness. Mm-hmm. I can never grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and like, horrible. The way that we talk to ourselves, because... That's literally what your thoughts are, is Mm -hmm. you talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. Literally, your thoughts are you making a narrative of your life and what's happening to you. So the way that we do that and the way that we talk to ourselves has an effect on how we're going to do things. Like, if you're constantly telling yourself that you suck and you're worthless and and you're just bad at things, then you're just going to be You're going to start believing it. And you're going to be it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So you have to... It's hard. It's obviously hard, but... Uh, again, it's just kind of catching those thoughts as they arise and dealing with them and then just being like and changing them because mm-hmm. the way that your brain works is the more you think that you suck, those patterns get ingrained mm-hmm. and they become stronger and stronger and stronger until it becomes a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way to break that is literally just catching yourself when you're doing that and just every time they're like, I suck, just be like, oh no, mm-hmm. I don't suck. Like mm-hmm. I screwed up here. That's that sucks, but I don't suck. Like That's right. I, it's just you'll break those habits. I won't do that next time. Exactly, and I know, and and you will probably do it next time. But as if you catch yourself again, <laughs> you have to. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, and eventually you won't. Yeah. If you keep and catching if, yourself, eventually you will not it, do that again. Exactly. <laughs> and then at one point you're going to think about it. And you're like, oh, I haven't done that thing in a while. And yeah, you're exactly. Like, nice. Nice. <laughs> Go. Me. <laughs> I'm doing so well. Exactly. <laughs> I'm the best. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I think we need to talk a little bit more about your Chile trip. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. It's like we haven't talked about it yet, and it sounded like it was super life changing and cool. So it was. Yeah. So I'm, um, leading. So I decided that I wanted to go to Chile in like. January of 2018 and I knew that I had wanted to go in November because it was the off season so the Torres del Paine hike is pretty touristy apparently it's like 30% year over year more popular Um, and I know how I hike because I've hiked a number of times in the mountains here and I know how frustrating it is to have to be a quick hiker and someone who likes to keep a good pace because I also like exercising And to have just a ton of people to have to wade through. And so I was like, no, I'm going to go on shoulder season and I'm going to do the O circuit because I know there's a lot less people. And they, in fact, they actually restrict the amount of people to go on the O circuit to 80 per day. Okay. So I was like, okay, that's, that's good. At least there's a restriction in place. So, uh, so I had planned out, uh, how I wanted to hike it 
and I didn't really have any, like, so I had planned out how I wanted to hike it, so I knew which campsites I needed to reserve, and I knew that I needed to reserve those campsites well in advance, and basically as soon as the sites became available, because, again, year over year, more and more popular. Mm -hmm. So in June, I, throughout the year I checked, but then in June, um, two of the companies that own the sites had opened. So I booked those. And then two months prior to when I was going to leave, I booked the last free site and, um, had all my sites booked. It was going to be eight days or like eight days of hiking, um, eight nights. And then the ninth day I was just going to wake up and head on a bus and go out. Yeah. Um, so leading up to the trip, I was super excited, but there was always that little bit of fear, right? Always that, like, I've never done this before. I've never, tra- like, I've never traveled before. I've never hiked in a different country alone before. Mm-hmm. I know that this is a touristy place, but what does touristy mean to me? And what does touristy mean to Patagonia? I don't know. Like, is there a difference? Yeah. Um, I've never packed eight days of food for myself before. Um, I knew that I didn't have to carry water or a filtration system with me at all because you can just like drink straight from the streams. But even when I got down there, it was weird just putting my water bottle out <laughs> and just filling it up and then drinking and not dying. Yeah. Like it was, <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. But uh so leading up to it I knew I had been prepared as prepared as as I was gonna get. Um but there was still a little bit of fear. There was still a little bit of like can something just happen and like, I can't go, you know, like maybe the flights get canceled and they refund my money and then I just lose my, you know, campsite money and that'll be that. And then I don't have to go and I don't have to get over this. And I was like, no, Carly, don't be stupid. Like, you're going to love it. It's, you've been looking forward to it all year. And now that it like pushes coming to shove, you cannot back down and you cannot back out because the reward is going to be greater than any amount of suffering. If there's even any suffering whatsoever. Yeah. So get on the plane after many hours of traveling. <laughs> I finally end up in Patagonia and I, I landed in Punta Arenas and there was a woman who's sitting on the plane beside me and I have like basic conversational Spanish. Like it is not good by any means. Yeah. And I'm trying to have a conversation with her because we're sitting on the plane. It's been like 45 fucking minutes and we don't know why we're not getting off, but it's a rinky dinky little town and a little tiny plane. And so I'm not too concerned, but I'm bored. So I'm talking to this woman and I can understand more than I can speak as with any language when you're learning it, it's a lot easier to to read and listen than it is to write and speak. So yeah, I'm fumbling through a conversation with her and I gather that, or she asked me like how long I'm in Punta Arenas. And I said for two days, like all day tomorrow. And then I, well, sorry, just one day, but I leave the next day early in the morning. And she was like, what are you going to do in Punta Arenas? There's nothing to do here. And I was like, I, I know, but I, my flights got changed super last minute. And so I have no choice but to be here for a day. And she was like, well, do you want to come out for lunch with me and my friend tomorrow? Um, and we'll show you around the town. And I was like, F yes, of course I do. <laughs> like what, like part of my brain was like, Carly, this could be a really sketchy situation. But the other part of me was like, no, I think good people are like, people are generally good for the most part. She's just an average person who's coming to, you know, visit family or friends, um, in a different town. So yeah, let's do that. So we get off the plane and her friend that she was meeting up with to pick up baggage, uh, spoke a decent amount of English cause he worked at the airport. So he gave me a ride to my airbnb and got all settled in there 
And it was as I got settled in and the host for the Airbnb had left and also not a lick of English. She had left, uh, left me to my own devices and it was so silent in there that like all of the fear and all of the anxiety all came up at once. There were no tears, but there was definitely like, what the heck is happening? I am in Punta Arenas, Chile by myself (laughs) in this very unfamiliar place. And I am getting on a bus tomorrow morning at 6.30 in the morning to another town. And then from there, I have to take another bus to the trailhead. And then it's go time. Like, and it's just, like, a lot of emotions. A lot of, like, I've never done this before, and I'm scared shitless emotions came up (laughs) and so I just I literally just laid on the bed I was like laying on my back just staring at the ceiling being like it'll be fine it'll be fine you decided to do this you're a fully capable able human being like you can do this and um so eventually I ended up um messaging Adam and just being like I made it safely I'm in my Airbnb kind of freaking out right now, but I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm just hoping I can sleep tonight. And, uh, he was really great as usual. Um, just reassuring me that everything's going to be okay and that I'm a rock star. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I was like, sure. Oh, God. So, I wake up the next morning. There's a minor freak out because, like, my ticket for my bus was like, yeah, you should print this out. You have to print this out in order to get on the bus. So, I was like, fuck, I don't have a freaking printer. I have it on my phone. What the hell? This is, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so, I... The host, the hostess, she was actually sleeping. It was such a weird situation. Like, she completely relinquished her home to the people that stayed with her Mm -hmm. because she was staying in, like, this little cubby in the storage area of her house. Like, that's where she was sleeping. And I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So I woke her up feeling horrible about it, but being like, can I use your printer? And so I got that all sorted out. Left, got on the bus. It was a three-hour ride to Puerto Natales. And then... um from there, I checked into this hostel called Wild Hostel, and um, it was super cute and super comfy, and the people spoke English, and they were super friendly, and uh, they were going to hold my bags for, like, a dollar or, a, yeah, a dollar a day while I was away. Yeah. Um, had a good meal, walked around the town, went to the grocery store, bought what I thought was good for eight days of food. Honestly, I was guessing at this point because I've never packed for eight days yeah. and eight nights of food before. So um, doing my best to, like, plan out in my mind the, the amount of food that I'm going to need. And, like, I don't want it to be all heavy food because, obviously, I'm hiking and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So did my best and was like, well, this is it. If I die, I die. But this is how I'm going to eat. And hopefully there's stuff along the way that I can purchase. Hmm. Uh so did that, ate a nice meal before the next morning and uh, had mentioned that I needed to leave a little extra early because I was getting on a bus for, I think, 7.30 in the morning to the trailhead. And uh, so they had a, they had a number of people that needed extra or like or extra early breakfast. So ate breakfast at 6 a.m., which was like the nicest breakfast ever. And they sent you off with like a little tiny sandwich for lunch. Oh, nice. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is perfect. This is a good start to the day. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, like, I also don't know what Patagonian weather is like. I've read and 
people have said that it's windy all the time, like 110 kilometer hour winds frequently, super volatile. Like you can get sun and rain and snow all on the same day within, you know, like hours of each other. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, got my backpack on. This is it. I'm leaving (laughs) and I'm going to hike for eight days. So I get on the bus and then, uh, at the, we got to the trailhead. I paid for my entrance fee, all that sort of stuff. And as I'm looking at the path that I have to go to for these, like the, the path that I have to walk along to my first campsite, there is a rainbow over top of the path, like perfectly arcing the path like evenly on both sides a rainbow and then in the background this massive mountain like it was all lined up as if it were a photo like the top of the arc of the rainbow was lining up with the peak of the mountain and it was like this like fogginess that was covering you know part of the mountain and like a rainbow and just like bright green grass and i was like it's on this is gonna be a great trip (laughs) This, if this is the first thing I'm seeing through, seeing, and I'm walking through that rainbow, it's going to be an amazing trip. Yeah. And uh, so off I went and um, was hiking along at my usual pace. And apparently I was making pretty good time. And I got to the campsite first, despite the fact that it was super windy. Like even the first day I was like, holy crap. There was a little bit of fear because I'd never experienced wind like that before. Yeah. Like you take an inopportune step and you're you're moving like it will take you and you might end up on your ankles really weird. Yeah. Um, so mm, hiked to think 12 kilometers in about three and a half or four hours and, uh, got to my campsite, set up tent, bought myself an inc- incredibly expensive beer because I made it through my first day, but I didn't give a shit that it was $10. I was like, I'm going to drink this beer and I'm going to sit over the <laughs> shit out of it because I made it through my first day. All those emotions, totally worth it. Yeah. And uh, then a lot of other, then like the whole crew that we, that I ended up hiking with the whole time sporadically. Um, like you all start out together, but then, you know, some people stay at the next campsite, but some people move on. So you lose that person. But for the most part, um, everyone kind of stayed together because everybody stayed at every campsite. So there was like, um, actually the first people I met were a couple, um, Kieran and Janine and they were from Australia, but both were living in Banff and Janine's two year visa was just expiring. So she was in South America, but she couldn't go back to Canada. Like she had to go from South America to Australia to go back to school. Yeah. And, uh, Kieran's, he was just getting through his first year visa. Um, and he was just traveling before he headed to Hawaii to see his family for Christmas and then coming back to Canada. And uh, so I was like, this is a small world. I did not expect to, at the, at the bottom of South America, to meet two people. Like, the first two people that I meet yeah. are from, you know, 45 minutes away yeah. from my town. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really great, and they were really nice, and... Then, like, all these other people came in. It was, like, a lot of Australians uh, and Germans and New Zealanders. I was the only Canadian that I knew. Some Americans, but not that many. Mostly Australians, honestly. Yeah. And uh, so then next day was 18K to the second campsite. And that day I set off at, like, 7 a.m. I had my breakfast left around seven. Um, it was really windy that day, but 
I had already somehow gotten used to the wind. I just put my my like my hood up on my windbreaker, like cinched it around my face so that the wind wouldn't take it and fly it back because it was also raining on me. Yeah. Uh, but another rainbow on that day. Um, and then when I got to the camp, that was the camp that the happy tears came in. It was like, this is the most beautiful campsite I've ever seen in my life. And there were broken off pieces of glacier just sitting in this glacier lake behind the campsite. Like you just walked behind where all the tents were. Yeah. And there was this massive lake with like this, you know, the glacial blue. Like you don't see that blue anywhere else. I've never seen that blue anywhere else in nature except in like glaciers. Yeah. And uh, then like it was just, it was perfect. Like the blue sky, the green trees, the blue glacier pieces with like this massive mountain range in the background it was just like i can't believe i'm actually doing this and i've been successful at this point and it was just like overwhelming amounts of joy and accomplishment just like yeah it was awesome (laughs) i sat there for probably like an hour just like looking at the patagonian landscape and being like i am in complete awe and it was awesome (laughs) and uh, then i so that was that day continued you know building friendships and relationships with the people that i had met and uh then the third day was another 15 no 13k um to a campsite that was okay like it was probably one of my least favorites just because it was a free one it was the only free one so they're less nice yeah um but um there's another glacier that we got to see there it was the coldest campsite, honestly, because it was at the highest elevation. Um, but that was the day that my rain odds actually kicked in really badly, and that was horrible. That's maybe why I don't have as strong recollection of it. I might have just, like, pushed it at the back of my mind. But, like, my rain odds kicked in, and so my hands were basically, like, prosthetics, and I was starting to feel really shitty, like, really shitty, like, nauseous in my stomach and, like, burning. My hands were so cold they were on fire, but I had to set up my tent, and I need to hurry up and get into my tent and get into my sleeping bag and get my or before I get into my sleeping bag get my wet clothes off put the dry camp clothes on get into my sleeping bag and then just like shovel food in my face with my <laughs> fingers that are like not even working because I was like I'm really hungry I'm starting to get like a headache and this is at the point that I was like maybe I didn't pack enough food yeah because I've never done this before and I'm just hoping that it's all going to make it um but anyway took a little nap Woke up, the sun was out, other campers were coming into the area, um, and so that was good. Socialized for a bit. Everyone kind of bonded over the fact that it was effing cold at that campsite. <laughs> and they just had fires going on, like little camp stoves inside the food hut. Um, but that was that day. Then the next morning, went along to Campo Paso, which was... Sorry, Campo Paso was the free one. That was Los Perros, which was paid, but... At any rate, went to Campo Paso, the free one. It was actually nicer than Los Perros and warmer because it was also lower elevation. Yeah. But uh, on the way from Los Perros to Campo Paso, you have to go through the John Gardner Pass. And so it's pretty steep, nothing too unmanageable. Like, it's a pretty standard. Like, if you do lots of summit hikes, this would be easy. But then when you get on the other side, you see Glacier Gray, which is just like kilometers of a glacier. It is the biggest (laughs) glacier I have ever seen in my whole life. And it's so far away and so large that you're like, I don't know how deep those 
crevasses are, crevices, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. They could be kilometers deep. I don't know. Yeah. But this is a massive glacier. Like, I cannot stress how large it was. <laughs> it was so big. <laughs> and you're just walking along it. There's a little piece of, like, it's a really far downhill on the, like, really steep downhill, sorry, on the way down from the uh, John Gardner Pass. And so we were there when there was still some snow. And so you just, like, and snow and ice. And so just, like, pop down on your butt slide down um makes it a lot nicer than trying to like navigate that. <laughs> navigate that without poles like your knees would just be on fire yeah um but yeah then got down to camp gray camp glacier gray and that's where the w track starts so all of this up to this point was considered the backside of the o track okay. which is a lot less popular as a lot more wild you don't have an option to buy food if you're out of food you, yeah, <laughs> you poorly planned and yeah. did not pack properly. Um, and then Camp Gray is where the W Trek starts. So it's more touristy. You walk in and there are like little mini markets where you can purchase, you know, Pringles or whatever with your visa. Mm -hmm. You can also buy fresh eggs if you wanted. Um, and then there are foxes at that one, actually. I saw two foxes, and they just prowl around looking for people's stuff to take and eat. <laughs> so I, re I remember before I left, people were like, make sure that you always keep your belongings in your tent. Like, always. Not only because of people, but because foxes. Yeah. And hawks. I saw, some, I saw a hawk come down and grab... There's a, there's a group of four Germans that were uh, hiking with us. And um, they left their food unattended for, like, a minute. And a hawk came down and stole, like, a whole, like, tube, what do you call them, of salami. <laughs> like, a whole thing. And uh, they were very upset. They were very sad because there was four of them. So you have to carry a lot of food for four people. And so when you lose an entire thing of salami, you're like, oh, that was a lot of protein that just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> so they were, they were quite upset. And I think they actually had to go to the mini market and buy stuff. But, of course, it's, like, super overpriced. Yeah. But at this point, also, you can st you don't have to stay in campsites. There are, like, refugios that you can stay in, so, like, little lodges yeah. with, like, with dorm rooms and stuff like that. But there were showers at this campsite and whatever. Um, but that stay was good. And then moved on to Italiano, I believe. No, Pine Grande. Oh, maybe it, there was somewhere in there. Pine yeah. Gray, then Pine Grande. And uh, that one was, like, by far the windiest one like, that was one where, like, keep in mind, I'm walking through wind and rain and sun and all this sort of stuff. So at this point, like, my nose is blistered on the one side. Same with, like, part of my face on my cheekbone. Like, I had blisters on my face. Like, it wasn't just sunburn. It was, like, windburn and just, like, cold and all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got to Pine Grande, I was like... I can barely put my tent up. Like, the wind is just so intense here. But there was also a nice little lookout point where you could see um, a lake. And I can't remember what the lake was called. But it was so blue, it matched my my pants. Like, it was... I took a picture deliberately with myself right beside the lake. So you could see how they exactly matched. It was, <laughs> like, unreal. Um, but I met a couple there. And the one guy worked for Tesla. He's a Canadian or used to be a Canadian. He now lives in the States in uh, San Francisco. And uh, 
met his wife there. She works in uh, the education. She's a phys, phys ed teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked for Tesla and quit at the peak of his career. He was a welder and a metal worker. Um, but Elon has his cell phone, like his personal cell number. And I guess he's really good at his job. And so they sent him to Quebec for a project, like one of the cars that was being built. It wasn't the S series. It was the next one. And I honestly don't know, but anyway, um, sent him to Quebec for this project. And, uh, he was the only guy there and it was like just ridiculous to think that it would have ever been healthy for him to do that because he was working long hours. He wasn't even going to the hotel room. He was sleeping in the break room in at work and all this sort of crap. And just like, so exhausted despite the fact that he was really good at what he did and the company needed him. And there was just so much pressure that he was like, I think like this is a good place to just take a minute and just like walk away and maybe think about if I ever want to come back. Yeah. Um, that he said, I left with the doors are open. They said that, you know, we respect your wishes to leave, but if you ever decide you want to come back, that is by all means an opportunity, like an option for you. Um, and I guess Elon would just call him every two weeks and be like, so how's uh, traveling going? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, it is just, it is not a good place to be. And I was like, well, I can imagine like all eyes are on Tesla. Yeah. Like, the pressure would have been like absolutely real. Yeah. Um, but that was fun. I liked the couple there. Um, they were good to talk to. Then I moved on to Italiano and, uh, that was a nice, like short. Cause at this point we're now in the touristy area. It's basically just flat until you reach the next campsite from which you can hike to a viewpoint yeah. and then come back down. Like okay. that's kind of what the W trek is like. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the French Valley is stunning. Like, I hiked, I think, something like 20-some kilometers that day because you walk from one camp to the next, and then you walk up and down this, you know, eight-kilometer stretch of hiking to get to this viewpoint, which is totally worth it. So (laughs) awesome. Like, the mountains, they're so different. Like, they're different in the same. Like, they're they're the same in that they look jagged, but they're different in that there's a lot of sedimentary rock that makes them look jagged. Like, it's not just the rock itself. It's just sediment that's on top. Yeah. Um, And then they just have different configurations, and the sky is so different in Patagonia. Like, it's bright blue with, like, these specific types of clouds that form when it's really high winds, like, windy areas. So they just look like big blobs and like little discs of ufos at the same time or like little paintbrush strokes you know yeah with very hard lines and so when i got up to the Britannico lookout it was all of that just in one photo it was amazing (laughs) um talked about ice cream with the kiwis so there was three new zealand uh people new zealanders that um i had become pretty good friends with and we hiked up to that lookout together and we basically just talked about that's the, talked about ice cream the whole time. That's the one thing that hikers do. I learned <laughs> when you're eating like the shittiest food ever, and you're like rationing your food supply. Everyone just wants to talk about food all the time. <laughs> so almost all the time, that's what we were talking about, and like our favorite foods and the best shops in New Zealand and the best shops in Calgary and all these sorts of things. Um, Auckland is where they were from, actually. Um, but, uh, then the last day was, I think I hiked 31 kilometers the last day. Like that was a long friggin' day because it hiked from, yeah, hiked from, um, Camp Francis or whatever to Camp to Chileno. 
And then from Chileno, we dropped our, I dropped my bags at the Kiwi's tent because they were actually staying there that night. But then I wanted to hike up to the towers, like the iconic photo from the Torres del Paine um, hike. So like the three towers with the glacial lake in the front. Yeah. And uh, the, wind, the, the weather is typically so volatile uh, in that area entirely that they sometimes will close the trail so you can't even go up. And if you only have that day to see them, yeah. well, that's an opportunity gone, right? Yeah. So thankfully, they had kept the trail open long enough that at, you know, 1 p.m., me, Kieran, Janine, uh, Finn, Jess, and Al- um, Allison, we all ended up walking up or hiking up together. Um, and we hiked up while it was snowing, thinking like, oh, man, I just hope it clears and maybe it'll be nice in the snow. Um but anyway, hiked up in the snow and then we like came over the top just in time for like the snow to stop, the clouds to lift, to see the towers and snap a few photos. And then by the time we were done, the clouds came back down, <laughs> the snow came down, we trudged back down in the snow. It was like perfect. It was like meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, this has been a great trip. I cannot think of like nothing went wrong. Like, everything, even if it was wrong, it was so minor compared to how awesome everything else was. Yeah. Because everything just exceeded my expectations. I had no idea that it was going to turn out to be as amazing as it was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, after that, uh, went down, picked up my bag, and then I had another 5K still to hike to my campsite that I was staying at that night. Janine and Kieran as well, they were staying in the same campsite. Yeah. And uh, so hiked back down. And at that point, I knew that it was, like, the last day. So... I'm, like, cooking up my pasta and salami and pasta sauce for, like, the eighth time. Just looking at this meal and being like, I never want to eat pasta again. <laughs> like, ever. <laughs> definitely not pasta and cube salami in it. That's yeah. definitely not a thing I'm going to eat ever again. <laughs> and uh, so I just needed to get... And it was, like, really cold and rainy this day, which was, like, maybe the perfect ending to the trip. Um because I just wanted to get huddled up in my sleeping bag and sleep and knowing that, like, the trip was awesome. The friends that I made, they were just bomb. They were so good. And they made, they enriched the whole experience just all that much more. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, like, I didn't eat probably as much as I should have, but I still lived. Yeah. I made it. And uh, I learned things about myself. I learned things about preparing for an eight day, eight night hike. I learned about what it is, what's like to hike by yourself in a different country to make friends to who are like, like-minded and to stay safe. Even if you are completely unfamiliar with the territory and the animals that come along with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really awesome. It, I went, yeah, I went to bed that night feeling super fulfilled, kind of excited to get back into like a real bed and to eat real food, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, really sad to be leaving the area. Like I knew that I did not, not that I didn't want to go back to Santiago and to see some beaches in wine country. Like I, cause I definitely wanted to on some level. But on the other, I knew that the best part of the trip was now over. Yeah. You know, like there was no way 
that anything else could top the list. Like, I was, I spoiled myself at the very beginning of the trip, and I think it was probably for the best. Yeah. Because I had all the energy and everything to do it. Um, but it was absolutely perfect. The hike was just, like, unreal. Yeah, <laughs> and then, it yeah. It sounds, like, pretty incredible. It so. was so good. <laughs> I, damn. I recommend it. I recommend doing it by yourself. Yeah. I recommend the O circuit. Like, if you're going to go down that far and do it, just do the O. Mm. It's much more beautiful. It's much more challenging. It's, there are different types of people that hike the O track, right? There's not, like, the tourist, the uh, W track is touristy enough that just, like, average everyday people who don't really hike can totally do it. Yeah. You know, and be comfortable and happy. Like, you can have home-cooked, you can have, well, home-cooked, you can have refugio-cooked meals every night if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Whereas the O, like, you definitely have to have knowledge about what it is that you can eat using a little tiny gas can and stove. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... So, yeah, that was good. And then the rest of the trip is kind of just like, whatever. Because (laughs) the hike was so great. Um, So the original plan was to go back to Puerto Natales, stay a night in Wild Hostel, pick up my bag, which I did. Um, Then I left, went back to Punta Arenas, because I knew that you can't really get anywhere outside of the area unless you go back to Punta Arenas and go from there. Like, it's like a main hub. Yeah. And uh, so I went back to Punta Arenas and I had originally planned to just take a one-way flight up to Santiago. But the flight that was $55 before I went on the track was now $400. Shit. I was like, no. I'm not spending $400 on a flight one way. It was $55 before. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I cannot do that. So I took a flight to a little town called uh, Puerto Varas instead. Yeah. Stayed there, which I'm super happy I did because it was like, it was a nice in between. It was like in a nice transition town because it was still not as populated as Santiago, obviously. Um, but not as wild as Patagonia. So it was somewhere in between. It was actually a very like highly, heavily German influenced little town. Hmm. But super cute. Easy, slow paced. I went to the grocery store. I got myself some food. I checked into my super cozy hostel. Like, it was my favorite, I think. Nice. So nice. (laughs) It was like wood and everything with like this awesome pellet fireplace that pumped out so much heat. Like, from standing from here to that desk away, you could feel it. It was so awesome. (laughs) Complimentary tea and coffee and like a fully equipped kitchen so you could cook whatever you wanted um so i did that bought myself some strawberries off a farmer like a farmer's market kind of deal they're the best strawberries i've ever eaten (laughs) 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 made myself some food drank a glass of wine journaled in my travel journal um it was a really great day and then decided and then met enough people and friends that day that um we all decided to go to a national park that was just outside the town mm-hmm. um national park before i came back went there saw a volcano as much as i could because i knew that i'd need to come back for noon because i had a bus an overnight bus up to santiago to catch so it was like i think 6 p.m i had to be 6 15 i had to be at the bus station bus left at 6 30 then i slept on the bus overnight arrived in Santiago at 7 o'clock in the morning which I would recommend because you save on accommodation 
costs if, you if you're just on a bus <laughs> and you're bus. also <laughs> going places while you're sleeping. Yeah. It was good. If you can sleep on moving vehicles, which I cannot, so. Yeah. I mean, it helps that I got what is called a salon cama, which is basically like a luxury bed. <laughs> so it was like this. It was like this. It was like a recliner. It went all the way back. That's pretty cool, so I guess. So you that, could, I could totally maybe sleep lay on out. Yeah, okay, I yeah. could maybe sleep on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, um, yeah, I would have been totally screwed if it were upright. There's no way. Yeah. Then uh, got to Santiago, asked a police officer to help me navigate the public transit system because I could not make heads or tails of buses or metro. Like, all the lines looked like they were going in the same place. I was like, okay, I know that I need to be on the metro, but I only see buses. Yeah. So he directed me to where the train station was and uh, made it to my hostel. There, like Santiago in general, it's just a city. It's just a big city. Mm -hmm. In fact, I went up to a viewpoint uh, in a park and overlooking the entire city and it just all looks the same yeah it's just a block city people aren't people are still nice it's clean uh they're not quite as friendly as patagonia like i must say the people in patagonia were like beyond nice and generous and willing to help and like eager to yeah please and help you out like it was it was awesome that could even just be like city life versus smaller town life you know totally like Mm -hmm. i feel like people in cities are a little bit more in a hurry or whatever exactly well and that's one of the things is like so balpadiso is right outside not right outside it's like an hour and a half bus ride from santiago to the coast and uh it's right beside viña del mar and so there's a lot of like beaches and so i went there straight i got into santiago and the next day i left and went to valparaiso stayed in a really cool hostel there as well um but the vibe is different the closer you get to the big city Mm -hmm. the less people are willing to stop and say hi Mm -hmm. uh, or like have a conversation or really think about anything except their own plans right yeah um which is totally typical of big cities like and i get it yeah um there's also like not just and this is this is what i heard from the Chileans is Santiago is a major hub for a lot of immigration too so it's not just Chileans in Santiago it's like a lot of these other people who maybe don't feel like they fit in so they're not less and so they're not as much or not as uh prone to you know reaching out and chit-chatting and maybe they don't even speak Spanish yeah maybe yeah so um yeah anyway went to Valparaiso stayed in a cool um hostel there ate some delicious empanadas we went on a beach met a german guy who was also a solo traveler who needed a companion <laughs> it was hilarious <laughs> i was looking at him across the way and was like he's got his head in his hands his phone out and a travel book and a piece of paper and a pen he looks like he needs some company <laughs> so i went over and asked him like what he's trying to plan out and so he had this big dilemma do i go south or do i go north to the atacama desert and i was like well the chances of you getting a halt like a campsite reservation and making the most out of the torres del pine trek right now are slim to none yeah. like you should have made those campsite reservations a long time ago if you want to make sure that you're not going to kill yourself and have to tr- like hike 40 kilometers a day yeah. in order to get to your next campsite yeah so that helped out. And then he just, like, tagged along with me the next day. We went and watched, saw, like, this free graffiti tour. Because Valparaiso is full of murals. 
and graffiti and it's just part of their culture that's cool yeah so we got a free walking tour you just give the guy tips at the end and yeah um you learn a little bit of history about Valparaiso. So it was cool hanging out with him for a day and a half. And then um, I went back to Santiago and ensues the hostel story. Yeah. <laughs> and how I needed to get the F out of there. And so I splurged. I stayed in a like a four-star hotel or something like this for my last night because I wanted to leave on a good note. Reflected on the whole trip. Journaled out some goals that I wanted to have for the next year. And uh, here we are. Nice. It was freaking awesome. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was <laughs> shit. Adam's in trouble because I'm going to be going on a ton more solo trips, I think. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing that, like, when I did that for the first time, when I went on my first solo mm-hmm. trip to Costa Rica, it was the same type of thing, you know? It was, like, before the trip, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is, like... <laughs> This is not cool. I'm not, like, I'm not sure if I'm cut out for this. Yeah. I don't know if I can do this. I hope that like, should I just cancel this entire thing? And yeah. like, it was like a thing of so many firsts. Like the first time that I really like left, you know, like I've been, I'd been to Mexico before, mm-hmm. like at a resort, but mm-hmm. I don't really count that as. Me neither. It's, I've done the same thing, and I'm like, it doesn't really... It doesn't count. No. It doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> you go somewhere, and you sit on this, like, little enclosed area, and you barely leave the beach, and you yeah. just, like, it's not, it doesn't count. You don't even I, see the real Mexico. Exactly. Like, a funny thing is, like, I went to Mexico City last year, yeah. and, like, that was, like, Mexico, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that was seen Mexico. Yeah. But anyways, like... Same thing, going to Costa Rica, so many firsts, first time traveling by myself, first time, like, really leaving the country, first time going to, like, I, like a music festival by myself, because that's, like, why I was going, is I, like, wanted to go to this music festival, so I pr- bought tickets for the music festival, and then was like, okay, I'll figure everything else out. Was that Envision? It was Envision, yes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it was just... It was one of the best things that I'd ever done for myself, yeah. though. It, like, it made me realize, like, what I was capable of, mm-hmm. like, what I could do mentally, socially, like, physically even. Like, yeah. it was just, it was such a, like, I was forced to make friends, you know, or else yeah. I was just going to be spending time by myself. Yeah. Like, that's something that I've never been good at is just making friends and, like, interacting with humans in general. Yes. So. <laughs> right? Humans are hard. Yeah, I know. humans are super hard. So, like, it forced me to do all these things. And, like, at the end of the trip, I did, um, like, an ayahuasca thing. Mm-hmm. So that was obviously a thing that mm-hmm. happened. And I did the sweat lodge. And that sweat lodge is still, to this day, one of the most beneficial things that I have ever done for myself. Awesome. And it's... It just like I feel like I feel like everybody needs to go and travel by themselves. It's oh, almost like a rite of passage. 100%. Yeah, you know, totally. You come back as you know a different person. Yes, like you come back and you're like, wow, I see the world through a different lens. That's for sure. I see myself through a different lens. Yeah, same. And I f- I wonder if that's why I'm now focusing on building my confidence. Mm. is because I got a little bit of confidence boost out of that trip and was like, yeah, let's run with it. Yeah. <laughs> let's keep this going. I would really love to not have that nagging voice in the background being like, you can't do it. Yeah. Like, 
that would be good if that would just leave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think that, like, uh, like today's societies, especially, like, Western cultures and stuff like that, um, we kind of lack those rite of passage moments mm-hmm. that a lot of other cultures typically had as you grow up, you know? Totally. Like, we don't have those. You just, mm-hmm. you can literally just, like, what, like, what? You can drink when you're 18? Yeah, <laughs> right. You can now smoke pot oh, recreationally like, without getting charged. Like, I don't, there's nothing, yeah, like, even university. Say you want to go from high school to university, and that's going to be your life-changing moment where you become an adult. Yeah. It's not. No, it's not. Because you're just going from school to school. You're still not living life, really. Exactly. You're just prolonging the learning, developing curve. It's it's just more of the same, you know what I mean? Like, unfortunate to say, but, like, like other cultures have had those, like, you know, now you are an adult, rites of passage, you know, like Native American cultures have sweat lodges, for example, uh, or the Sundance or whatever. Yeah, or you go on your quest. You go on your vision quest. Like, you come back a different person. I think that Western cultures in general just kind of lack that. Totally. I went on a vision quest and it was to Chile. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I came back a different person. (laughs) Exactly. And the same thing happened to me in Costa Rica, and I came back an entirely different person. Well, and and I think like a common theme with that is you disconnect yourself from your surroundings put yourself in an uncomfortable situation where only you're going to get yourself out of your own messes Mm -hmm. and only you're going to be able to guide yourself along the opportunities that you see to make a great um experience yeah and uh yeah there is safety in just staying in one place but Mm -hmm. there's also there's no growth, there's no challenge, there's no change by staying in the same place. Exactly. So, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. You keep going, keep moving, keep challenging. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important that I think you, you always need to challenge yourself. Yes. Do things that are hard. Like, For sure. It's why I like, like, hiking is good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I really enjoy it is because it's something that's hard that you really have to push through. Mm-hmm. It's mostly mental. No, oh, totally. So, like... I think that's why I have this, like, relationship with CrossFit, because it it will completely demoralize you in a split second if you let it. Like, it, those workouts are tough, even for fit people. Yeah. And you, but you can't just quit. There's a clock running. You can't stop until the clock says stop. Yeah. Or you can't stop until your rounds are done. Yeah. Right? You, and, like, everyone's going to know if you quit. Mm-hmm. And it's not encouraged. Encur- it's encouraged to get through it, even if you're doing it slow. Yeah. Just keep going. Just keep moving. Just get through it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so painful. But at the end of it, you're like, wow, I showed myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's the same with like hiking a little bit too, is like anybody who comes hiking with me for the first time and they're new to it or something mm-hmm. like that, and they're struggling a little bit. And mm-hmm. like, you can tell that they maybe feel bad a little bit because they're, like, holding people up. It's like, no, like, you're out here and you're doing this. Yeah. And as long as you don't quit and you make it to the top, then you did it. Exactly. Like, you did it. Like, you do not have to do it in record time. No. It's, you just got to not give up. You'll do it faster next time. You know That's what I mean? Right. Like, you're training yourself. Like, yeah. It's, 
Learning not to quit is such a valuable skill. <laughs> I know, I know, isn't it? But it's so easy. It's, it's so, so easy to so quit. Easy to quit. Yes, it's so yeah. easy not to do the thing. It's so mm-hmm. easy not to go and travel by yourself to Chile or Costa Rica or whatever it is. It would be so easy if, like, all the flight plans were just to like miraculously fall apart. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>? Exactly. <laughs> so easy. It'd be so easy to take that time and sit in my basement and do nothing. That entire time you know right but would not have had the amazing experience that we did yeah nothing nothing worth doing is easy that's right (laughs) isn't that the truth everything that's really really worth doing is challenging it's hard it's difficult you have to push through it but you will learn so much about yourself and what you are capable of capable of totally and that's valuable information uh-huh it is mm-hmm. in fact it like then ups your threshold for what you're willing to take on exactly right? exactly now maybe next time instead of an eight-day hike in chile you spend like a, a week or something that's less than eight days but... <laughs> <laughs> three months three in months, some yeah. other in like africa or some shit i've yeah. already started looking up other hikes around the world that i can do yeah. although this year i think i'm gonna i don't think i want to fly anywhere this year i think i want to explore more of canada yeah. like the canadian rockies because i have barely touched jasper yeah. national park like i think i've been there once yeah I'm so never, I've never been to Jasper. So. There's tons of stuff that you can do there, right? Like yeah. like multi-day hikes for days, literally. I have a question about your ayahuasca. Did you do it at the uh, festival or was it no. a whole separate thing? It was a whole separate thing. I yeah. thought, yeah, yeah. I, figured, I figured it would be weird yeah. if yeah, we were was, at the festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the festival was like the first part of the, like I was there for two weeks. Um, the festival was the first kind of, thing i did and that was fun and that was challenging in its own way Mm -hmm. like because i was camping and yeah camping in plus 30 degree weather where it's super humid isn't super fun no it's hard to get clean you're just everything is dirty you're always wet you're always wet you're never dry (laughs) you're never dry (laughs) you're never clean you try and like towel yourself off and you just smear dirt around on you (laughs) totally so that was and then yeah and then obviously there's a music festival going on so yeah um yeah and then i did that and then i hung around in uh uvita for a little bit and i went and like saw some waterfalls and i went out onto this like sandbar and thing it's called a whale tail it's a national park because it looks like a whale tail but you like can walk out on it when it's low tide oh and you can like uh, there's like a little path that like the water kind of crashes up onto and what? yeah, just like, I remember specifically like looking back at the coastline, like being out a little bit in the mm-hmm. ocean and just like kind of, it was like a really surreal experience. Yeah. And so I did that and I met some people at the hostel and like met some Canadians and some Americans and stuff who were all at the festival and we did stuff together. And then after that, I like went to this other city and more in the mountains and, went to this retreat, I guess, for four days and you go up there and they take care of everything. It's very, all, all very ceremonial. Right. Um, like the first day you all sit around in a circle, everybody who's there, there's like 20 people or something like that. And, um, 
you kind of all go through why you're there, mm-hmm. what you want to get out of it, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's all very, before every meal, we would all join hands around the food and, mm-hmm. like, sing a song or something like that. Okay. So it's all very, like, mm-hmm. ceremonial. Right. Um, all very purposeful. All very purposeful. Like, you're not there for just to have fun. You're yeah. there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool and yeah. neat. and. Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, very reflective experience. Mm-hmm. Like it's all very personal, and like there's like one day I think it was after we did the ayahuasca. Like the entire next day, I just literally like sat by the river and just kind of like reflected, and mm-hmm. it was cool. It was like nice, like, very beneficial experience for sure. I if people are interested in that kind of thing, I like do recommend that you do seek out something like that. Yeah, because it will change your experience on like what you think those things should be like psychedelics or whatever like, right lots of people have done psychedelics and we just do psychedelics you know like yeah. people do them differently but like at least me personally i know that i have done it you know just to have fun or just yeah. because or like whatever but it's very different when you approach it and you're like there is a purpose to this. There is growth that has to happen yeah. or whatever. And I'm going to be revealing some demons or working through some stuff that I've been not working through yeah. for, or I've been neglecting yeah. or maybe just reveling in some of the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I like, I went in with an intention and you say your intention. And the funny thing is, is like, they tell you like, you know, it might not happen the next day you might not have these realize right realizations even in the next week it may happen months down the line and i remember very specifically there was a moment like i had done this trip in february and in like november of that same year i was like just doing something and i had thought about something and it was like oh shit like that whole thing (laughs) that i was like working towards like what i wanted to get out of that thing that i did in costa rica has like now just been realized and it's just yeah. like it was very it's super interesting it's but. interesting that you say that actually because there's this woman that i have worked with in the past um she's a, a shaman of native american practices mm-hmm. um but she goes down to peru often mm-hmm. to those are her teachers they're from peru yeah um, and they share knowledge and she learns and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, so I've worked with her in the past, not much, but a little bit. And one of the things that she said is that the work that you do here is exactly that you may not realize it in the moment. Like I'm saying words to you that you just do not understand. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking, like I'm speaking English. You understand that, but it's just not clicking, you know, like the words are being said, but you're not really understanding. Um, but it might come down the road, you know, like weeks, months, maybe even years later, and the light bulb will go off and it'll be like, that's what that meant. Yeah. You know? And so it's interesting that you say that because she says the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about just like going back into those pivotal moments in your life where either emotional damage was done or growth happened and just really processing it like with the understanding mm-hmm. behind it. Exactly. And like a forgiveness towards yourself almost. Yeah, and it's, yeah, exactly. Like any road, like any blockages that you have with anything. Like maybe you have an issue and you can't get past this issue and you don't know why you have an issue with it, but it might've been because something that happened to you when you were like three mm-hmm. and it just locked in there. 
and you've never been able to deal with it because you were too young to really understand what was happening. And now it's manifested in this inability to, I don't know, uh, commit to long-term relationships mm. or something, you know, and yeah. like, it's, yeah, it just like works out that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my throat's getting sore and my eyes, I can feel it's my bad yeah, time. <laughs> we, have, we have been talking for a while. So yeah. is there any just final things that you want to say other than I'm tired? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Um, no, it's cool. Um, no, this has been great, actually. I really liked our conversation. We cool. talked on some pretty good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's always nice to talk about this, too. Yeah, it's always fun. I always enjoy doing this. So. Yeah. Thank you very much for talking with me. Okay. Thank you for enjoy for inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> if you liked this episode of the podcast, why not leave a review? You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. For up-to-date information on the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us at Froggy Style Productions. That's Frog, the letter E, Style Productions. For more ways to support the show, visit fsproductions.ca.